Uh, the reading tonight is from Psalm 139. It's on page 444. Everybody there? I'll give you a second. Carol's not there. Oh, you are. Okay. O Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness won't be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame wasn't hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they'd outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. If only you would slay the wicked, O God. Away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. You have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my every thought when far away. You chart the path ahead of me and tell me where to stop and rest. Every moment you know where I am. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You both proceed and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Too great for me to know. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the place of the dead, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the Father's ocean, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are both alike to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. And knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, and how well I know it. 
You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. They are innumerable. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up in the morning, you are still with me. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Psalm 139. Let me have my welcome. My name is... Pastors here, please uh, turn to t- Psalm 139. We're looking at that, that psalm together tonight. It's been described as the the crown of all psalms. That's how John Stott described this psalm: the crown of all psalms. It is so well loved. It's so well known. It's the source of incredible comfort and genuine assurance. Because it's a psalm all about a, a real personal, relational God who is totally majestic. And my one aim tonight is that you might leave here uh, in awe and wonder at the God who knows you so intimately. That's my simple aim, that you would leave here tonight in awe and wonder at the God who knows you so, so intimately. This this psalm reminds us that God does know you, that that God does care for you, and that God will never leave you and never forsake you. And it's that kind of understanding, that kind of assurance, that will radically change your walk with God. I wonder how you talk about God. As you talk about God to your friends or to your family, what kind of language do you use? Maybe you use the, the, the lofty, transcendent kind of words, like the holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, or uh, our God is ineffably sublime, he is completely other, he is completely majestic, because he is. And yet this psalm reminds us that that transcendent, lofty, majestic, totally other God, he's also relational, and he's personal, and he knows you. And that's why you can talk about your God in this relational kind of language. I've got three comforts for you tonight from Psalm 139. Here's the first one. God knows everything about you. God knows everything about you. God's all-embracing knowledge Listen to verses 1 to 6 and spot how many times the word no appears. O Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit. You know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out. You know my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. He's saying God sees everything, God knows everything. The technical term is God's omniscience. God's omniscience. He knows everything about you. 
He searches, he knows, he perceives, he discerns, he's familiar with everything about us. David is saying, every detail of my life, everything I do, everything I say, every action, every deed, even the unspoken thoughts, you know that, God. Nothing is hidden from you. I reckon that we we love watching other people, but we don't like other people watching us. Is that true? We love watching other people. We're obsessed with those kind of reality shows where we look into the lives of other people. We like watching other people, but we don't like other people watching us. We don't like it when the, the person at work stands over your shoulders and keeps that, their beady eye on you. We feel uncomfortable. We don't like it when you walk into the shop and there's that, that, that camera that's watching. You feel uncomfortable, even if you've done nothing wrong. If you're like me, you, you hate walking through the, the customs of the airport. You know that someone's watching you behind that, that one-way glass. We feel uncomfortable. Well, these verses, David feels that he is under the inspection, not by a friend, not by a colleague, not by a person, but he's being watched by God. But that doesn't make him feel uncomfortable. It's actually a comfort It's an assurance that God knows him so intimately and nothing happens that he doesn't see. Look at it again at verse 1. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. He's saying, I've got no privacy. There's nothing I can say, nothing I can do. There's no corner of my mind where I can block you out. I can't exclude you, God. You know when I sit, verse 2, you know when I rise. You know my morning, you know my evening. Verse 3, you discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. You know when I work, you know when I rest. You know when I play, you know when I'm sad, you know when I'm laughing. You know everything. Verse 2 again, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Yes, God is lofty, God is transcendent, but he still sees everything about us. He sees our thoughts even those inmost thoughts of ours, you know, those, those little conundrums that we run in our mind, the, the sagas that we go through, the wrong thoughts, the right thoughts, the nice thoughts, the nasty thoughts, the anxieties, the fears, the over-imagination, the joys, the delights, he knows them all. He even anticipates the half-formed thoughts, the, the things on the tip of our tongues. Verse 4, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. He knows what we're about to say before we say it. I don't know whether you've ever read the, uh, the classic novel by George Orwell, 1984. It's a remarkable novel. It's sort of before its time, really. The big brother watching you. Uh, the thing about that book, in that book, the characters were kind of freaked out. They found it oppressive. And when you think that God knows everything about you, is that how you feel? When you think that God sees and God knows everything about you, are you like those characters from that novel where you feel tyrannized? In one way we should. In one way we should be fearful because we've all done and said and thought things that we'd hate other people to know, let alone God. But for David, this truth that God knows everything about us is not fear. 
It's this assurance, this comfort. Look at verse 5. He says, you hem me in behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Now you could read that as though David feels trapped. That you hem me in. Almost like he's saying, everywhere I go, God, you shadow me. Every step I take, I can feel you breathing down my neck. But that, that verb, you hem me in, it's literally, you guard me. You protect me. I'll read it again. You protect me behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. He's saying the fact that you know me is not a threat, it's a security. It's a comfort. My whole life, every minute of every day is known by you. And that is such a comfort. And that's why he goes on to say in verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I don't get it. It's just too sublime to comprehend that the, the, the majestic, all-knowing, all-powerful God should know me and care for me so intimately. Even in my darkest moment, even in the time of greatest trial, you know everything about me. Now just think of the comfort that will bring you. As you go through trials or tragedies, broken relationships, you're feeling lonely, or the constant pain, or the depression, or the, the uh, betrayal, or anxieties about kids, or about finances, you can never say, God does not know. You can never utter those words, God does not know. When the suffering or the pain is intense, when you feel like God has left you, you can never say, God doesn't know. God does know. And God does see. He knows your pain. He knows your fears. He can see how other people treat you. And even if he doesn't act, even if he doesn't change the situation, he does know about it. And I find that a massive comfort. God knows everything about me. He will not let my foot slip. That's the first comfort from this psalm. The second comfort is this. God knows everything about me. Secondly, God is always with me. God is always with me. God's inescapable presence. Look at verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? David thinks, is there, is there anywhere I can escape from those irresistible or penetrating eyes of a holy God? Is there, is there anywhere in this world I can escape you, God? Can I never get away from you, God? It's that kind of rhetorical question. And as soon as David entertained that thought, he, he realized how, how stupid he's been because God doesn't just know everything about me. He is everywhere. Use another theological word. He is omnipresent. He's ever present. Again, you could read this psalm in a very negative way, as though David wanted to escape from God. Now, if I go to the heavens, you're there, God, verse 8. If I could just blast out of this stratosphere, I could never outdistance you, God. Verse 8 if I tried to descend to the depths, to the terrifying depths of the underworld, I could never escape you, God. Uh, verse 9, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I 
uh, went at the speed of light to the remotest corners of the earth, you be there, God. I don't think David is saying this negatively, as though to say, God, I just want to get rid of you. Like a child who's trying to run away from a parent or trying to hide from a parent. I'm sure you've thought that at times, that you want to hide from God and just run away from God. That is a big theme of the Bible. Like when Adam and Eve tried to run away from God. And this microphone goes every single week. That is a big theme of the Bible, that, that right from Genesis 3, we try and hide from God and run away from God, and we can't. It's just arrogant and ignorant to think we can hide from God. But this psalm is a psalm of comfort. He's not trying to run away from God. The great truth is that God is ever-present. God is always there. He's saying, if it was possible for me to go to the farthest place on earth, if it was possible for me to go at the fastest speed or the highest height, even there, you would be there, God. God, it doesn't matter where I go, how fast I go, you can never outrun me. You're going to be there, God. And that's a, a comfort for, for David. That's why he says in verse 10, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. He's kind of saying, God, you're my, you're my right hand man. God, with you by my side, I can rest secure, I can be comforted. You're always there holding on to me. Let me just say, whether you are a five-year-old who is fearful of school or fearful of the dark, whether you're a 40-year-old who is just not coping with life, whether you're a 80-year-old who is fearful of dying, what you need more than anything else is somebody there alongside you holding your hand and comforting you. And to know that it's not a person but the God of the universe, the God of creation who is there comforting you and guiding you and holding you firm, that is your greatest comfort, isn't it? Even there, verse 10, your hand will guide me. And if that's right, then if David is delighting in God's presence, then verse 11 is not some last-ditch attempt to escape from God. Let's read verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, he's kind of saying, maybe there's just one situation, one event, one crisis in my life, and God, you won't be there. You ever felt that? One situation, one event, one crisis, and you're just crying out, help, where are you, God? Have you left me, God? And David says in verse 12, no. Because even the darkness will not be dark to you, God. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. No matter how dark the situation is, God sees in the darkness as well as in the daylight. I hope you've got this. God is always there. He sees into the depth of your being. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And of course there's a warning to that truth. There is a warning to that truth that, that God is always present. I mean, Hebrews uh, chapter 4 reminds us that nothing is hidden from God's sight. And we're going to be judged on judgment day. 
But it's not just a warning, it's a comfort. It's a massive comfort. See, I, I don't know what you're going through. But when things seem hopeless, when it seems the whole world is against you, and when you're going through the really tough times, if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, please remember that God has promised never to leave you and never to forsake you. Just read your New Testament. He's given you his spirit, his comforter, his counsellor, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. See, others might walk away from you. People might abandon you. People can't always be there. But God will always be there. That's the second comfort from this psalm. God knows everything about us. God is always with us. And here's a third comfort. God's in control of all things. God is in control of all things. It's called God's sovereignty. You see, God has been in control of your life from the moment that you were born. No, God was in control of your life even before you were born. That's what this psalm says. Verse 13, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Even before I was born, even before my parents knew I existed, my fame wasn't hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. When I was wo woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed bodies. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. It's extraordinary. He's saying every minute of every day, even before I existed, you knew about that and you had control of that God. It's utterly amazing. God is in sovereign control of the whole of your life. Now, for most people, this doctrine of God's sovereignty well, for some people, it's actually a, a real headache, a real sticking point. And I keep having these conversations with Christians who says, I find the, the doctrine of God's sovereignty quite, um, quite limiting. Where, where's my human freedom? But for David, it doesn't paralyze him at all. He doesn't whinge, he doesn't moan. It's his, it's his comfort, it's his assurance. Look again at verse 14, I praise you. I worship you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You know everything about me. You know my fingernails, you know my toes, you know my heartbeat, you know my pain, you know everything. You're in control of it. Because of verse 16. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. There's nothing that happens in my life or your life that God has not ordained to happen. And that is a comfort. Let me just speak personally. The last six weeks have been really painful and a real trial. I've asked the questions, why? Why was Nathaniel born so early? What are the implications, short-term and long-term? Why is my wife still so sick? Why, why, why? But this truth and this doctrine of God's sovereignty, that God is in control of this and God knows this and God has caused this to happen, that's what kept me strong. 
You know, the doctors can't tell me why. The doctors have no answers. But God does know. It's ordained for me, it's ordained for Rachel. <laughs> and that's a comfort. The doctrine of God's sovereignty, that will keep you strong in your faith and walking closely with God. Because you're not in control of your life. Other people are not in control of your life. But the almighty creator God is in control of your life. And whatever happens, whenever it happens, hold on to that truth that God knows everything. God is always with you and he's in control of it. Those three comforts, well, it just transforms your walk with God. Uh, when David thinks about that, he, he's kind of baffled in verse 17. Uh, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. I, I don't get it. How could you know in so much detail everything about all the billions of people here on this earth? How vast is the sum of them? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand, and when I wake, I'm still with you. I do hope that for you, the sovereignty of God, the fact that God controls the big picture and the little details of your life will be a massive comfort. I mean, who else do you want to be in charge of your life than the God of the universe? Who else do you want to run your life apart from the God of this universe? Who knows everything and is always with you. So there are my three comforts. God knows everything, his omniscience. God is always with you, his omnipresence. And God's in control of everything, his sovereignty. So what's the response? Uh, if you know this all-knowing, ever-present, sovereign God, what's the response? And the answer is, a passion for his name and his honor. A passion for his name and his honor. See, at first glance, verses 19 to 21 seem so out of place, don't they? If only you would slay the wicked, O God, away from me, you bloodthirsty men. But that's the kind of response when you hear the name of your Savior and your sovereign God being dishonored if you know him and if you love him and if you care for him and if you adore him, when you see his name being dishonored, when you see adversaries misusing his name of verse 20, when you, peop when you see people hating your God, you want his name to be honored. You want his name to be glorified. You're passionate for the name and the honor of your God. And so you pray this dangerous prayer but a beautiful prayer, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, test me, expose my wrongs. Lord, I know I'm not perfect. I know there's things that offend you. I know I need to be transformed. I know I need to go through trials so that my character might be shaped. So please do that, God. Search me, know me, test me, but hold on to me. That's a God worth worshipping, isn't it?
He knows everything. He's always with you. He's in control. So let's be passionate for his name and his glory. Let me pray. Father, we do thank you that you are omniscient. You do know everything about us. You know our fears and our anxieties. You know our doubts and our despairs. You know our joys. You know our laughter. Father, thank you that you never leave us. Thank you that you are always with us and that you have promised that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you there's nothing that we can go through that you're not in control of. Thank you that you're always there at our right hand holding on to us. Lord, we do love you and we pray that you would help us to be passionate for your name and for your honor. And we do ask that you would test us and search us and know us and transform us to be more like your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name.